Welcome. We are back with today's teaching. Dr. Ruth continues. Welcome to today's teaching. I am so glad you could join me today as we continue our teaching in the book of Numbers. And I am trusting that your hearts are open and you are ready to learn all that the Lord will teach us from this uh, powerful verses in the book of Numbers. So I am very happy that you are listening today. So I begin with chapter 11. What is the gist of this chapter? The overall gist is that we will learn about the complaints of the Israelites and about Moses' discouragement and um, fatigue from the people's complaints. And through their complaining, we will learn a lot about the nature of God and how he would deal with their complaints. Through that, we would learn how God is not pleased when we complain. The key here is that we should learn to be content in whatever we have. Okay, so let's get to it. Get your Bibles. and uh, Or if you do not have your Bible, just listen. I begin with uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now the people complained about their hardship in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. So right away, we see how the Lord is responding to their complaint, okay? By sending a fire to destroy part of the camp. And also, we can see right away that these people did not go to the Lord directly or they did not first go to Moses, but rather they complained among themselves about the Lord, which is bad. And what we can learn right away is that when we have an issue with God, when we have an issue in our lives, we would be wise to go directly to God and discuss that with God rather than complaining. God is not impressed by that. Verse 2, when the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. Verse 3, so that place was called Tabera because fire from the Lord had burned among them. And um, we come to uh, verse 4. The rubble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. This is interesting, because they had just complained, and the Lord had just sent fire, and Moses interceded for them, yet they continued to complain. And if you go back to verse 4, it says the rubble with them. That is referring to the mixed crowd. Remember how I said in the book of Exodus that when the Israelites existed, exited from Egypt, rather, 
some of the Egyptians followed them into the wilderness because there was nothing in Egypt for them because the Lord had devastated the land uh, through all the plagues. So many Bible scholars are saying that the rubble there is referring to the mixed crowd of Egyptians and Israelites, okay? So they all started complaining, saying how they had meat in Egypt, but now in the wilderness they do not have any. Go to verse 5. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, uh, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Wow. Essentially, the Lord had supernaturally provided manna to them. Yet they rejected that and they were complaining about how at least in Egypt they had meat. They were not content. They were ungrateful. They rejected the Lord's provision for them. Much like many Christians do today. Some of us may laugh at the comments of the Israelites. But in today's era, many people do the same thing. Such as, God provides them with a job. Comfortable income. God blesses them with, with a comfortable home. Yet, they are unhappy. They want to kill themselves working more hours to make more money. And they, they would say things like, if I just make five more thousand dollars a year or ten more thousand dollars a year, or if I just get a little bigger house, I would be okay. No, you won't. Because those things, as you already know, would never bring true peace and contentment. That only comes from a heartfelt relationship with the Lord. So this, the Israelites were complaining about manna, just like today you would be complaining that you don't have enough money in the bank. Yet, you do. You just have to learn to manage what you have, and you have to learn to be content. Just like the Apostle Paul teaches us in the New Testament, that in any condition that we are, we should learn to be content in that. So, um, already we are learning how the Lord is ticked off when we complained. So, let's continue here in verse 7. Actually, verses 7 through verse 9 went on to describe what the manna looked and tasted like. Come down to the end of verse 8. It tasted like something made with olive oil, implying that it was the best food. Verse 9, when the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down, implying how God provided it to them supernaturally. Come to verse 10. Moses had the people of every family wailing. Essentially, all the people from every tribe and every family were complaining, and that got into Moses. It was a bit too much. We are talking about millions of people here, remember? Close to two million people. 
Moses was um, in charge of them. Almost 2 million people left Egypt. Remember we talked about this, how some Egyptians mixed with the Israelites made up a couple of million. They are all complaining. It got to Moses. And, and it would get to you too. And Moses took his complaint to the Lord, which is the right thing to do. So let's look at what Moses said to the Lord about all of this. Moses was troubled. Verse 11, he asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? You see? Moses is calling it a burden because truly it was. Verse 12, did I conceive all these people? <laughs> did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on earth to their ancestors? Verse 13, where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. Verse 15, if this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. So we see how Moses could not even bear the stress from these people any longer. He preferred to die. We may laugh at Moses' comment. But if you are a manager, if you've ever managed people, <laughs> you would come to the realization that human beings are very complex to manage, even as an employer. And most employers will tell you the most difficult challenge of our jobs is truly dealing with the employees, dealing with their various attitudes, complaints, Boy, it can be a burden on, upon you. And this is what we see here happening with Moses. The burden was too much that he lost heart. He began to question God. He began to doubt God. And that is exactly what stress would do to you. And one thing that Moses did here, Moses took his eyes off of God and started to focus or dwell on the people's complaint. As a result, it got into him. It crushed him. Because when we are faced with insurmountable problems, what we need to do is to stay focused on the solution, Jesus Christ, and not dwell on the problems. The moment we start to dwell on the problems, we will start to doubt. We will start to give up. We will start to get weary and tired. And this is exactly what we see happening here with Moses. So Moses was beginning to doubt God in spite of the fact that God had worked countless miracles in his presence. And he had been in the presence of God. This tells us something about doubt. If Moses, who had the closest encounter with God, could begin to doubt, it tells us that anyone can fall into that temptation. 
So we really have to guard our souls so we don't get to a point where people stress us out, wear us out to the point where we are just consumed by their complaints, consumed by their problems. And as a result, we stop uh, believing God. We should not do that. So um, when Moses complained to the Lord, the Lord gave him a solution. In uh, verses 16 through 17, the Lord told Moses to select 70 elders from Israel whom Moses trusted. I like the way the Lord gave Moses the opportunity to select the 70 men. Okay, God did not just say, I have chosen 70, but in this case, God said, Moses, you choose 70 people that you trust. And out of those 70 people, I will impart them with the spirit of God to help you carry this burden so you are not alone. So that is uh, what is described there in uh, those verses. We come down to verse 18, and then the uh, Moses told the people to consecrate themselves in preparation for tomorrow because the Lord was going to appear in a theophany. Remember, we have talked about that. Again, a theophany, that is the uh, manifestation of the invisible God in a manner that is visible to our senses, such as God appearing in a cloud or in a fire. That is what the theophany means. So these people had to prepare themselves for tomorrow because God was going to appear at the tent of meeting and impart uh, the Holy Spirit onto uh, these 70 people so they can have the Spirit of God and the wisdom to help Moses to carry the burden of the crowd. So that is what those um, verses are saying there that those people were supposed to prepare. Let's come down to verse um, 19, you will not eat. So Moses was telling the people that they have to be prepared. The Lord is coming. And he had told them that the Lord would give them their desire. The Lord ha had heard their complaints and he would give them the meat. And then in verse 19, he said, you will not eat it, referring to the meat, for just one day or two days or five, 10 or 20 days. Verse 20, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. <laughs> because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? So this was like a, Moses was just telling them that, well, you want meat. Well, you're going to really get meat. Verse um. 21, but Moses said, again, Moses is about to uh, complain again. Here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say I will give the meat to eat for a whole month. This is Moses actually verbalizing his doubt. Okay? Uh, again, don't confuse between the 600,000 men uh, and the and the rabble or the mixed multitude. At times, the scriptures would refer to the mixed multitude, implying a couple of million people. At times, it would refer to uh, 
about 600,000 men on foot, referring on the uh, or referring to the actual count of the Israelites in the desert. But all in all, like we have learned, it was close to uh, 2 million people, including the Egyptians, including children and women. Okay, keep that in mind. So let's go back to uh, verse 22. Would they have enough if flocks or herds were slaughtered for them? Essentially, Moses is questioning God's ability to feed the people. This is what stress would do to you. Just like I had just explained, Moses had lost perspective of God's ability as God. And he had lost perspective of God's miracles. And now he is questioning if God can fit these people. But it just goes to show you what doubt can do to you. It makes you completely forget the power of God. And before I continue, for all of those, or for all of you rather, who have a tendency to be doubtful, who have a tendency to question God's promises as expressed in the Bible, I have a teaching that have that has helped so many people. It is simply titled, Did God Really Say That? How to Overcome Doubt. I recommend you get that audio CD teaching. It's about a two and a half hour teaching focusing on biblical principles that would enable you to overcome doubt and receive God's promises. I recommend you get that. Go on our website or contact the ministry and request that CD teaching. We are now down to verse 23. The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. I just like the Lord's response. The Lord is telling Moses in essence, don't you trust me? Am I not able to do this? And God is promising Moses, you will see my faithfulness. You will see my power. You will see my ability to feed all these people. In essence, God in his love was just reassuring Moses of his power. Okay. Verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. And then Moses obeyed the instructions from the Lord and, and uh, gathered together the 70 elders. And in verse 25. The Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with them, like I mentioned, a theophany. And he took some of the power of the spirit that was on Moses and he imparted that power onto the elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. And that was like uh, evidence that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, remember, during the Old Testament time, the people were not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That happened when Jesus came and died and then he was resurrected and then he had promised his disciples that he would send a helper, the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and it is currently permanent, permanently indwelling every true Christian. So 
like I had said throughout this uh, podcast, during the Old Testament time, the Holy Spirit indwelt people for a short period of time to do God's work. And thereafter, after the mission was completed, the Holy Spirit departed from the people. The Holy Spirit did not indwell the Old Testament people permanently, but as New Testament believers, each of us is permanently indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. So we do have the power to live godly lives. We do have the power to overcome doubt. We do have the power to stand and receive God's promises because we have the Holy Power, the Holy Spirit, rather, indwelling us, who enables us to live the Christian life. Verse 26. However, two men whose name, essentially verses 26 all the way to 28 is just teaching how two of the people named Eldad and Midad, two of the elders among the 70 that Moses had selected, those two were not present when the Lord appeared and imparted the Holy Spirit unto them. These two were still in the camp, but that impartation also took place as they received the Holy Spirit and they were also able to prophesy. It's, it's powerful. And we come to verse 28, Joshua, son of Nun. You know what? God is speaking to me right now. Let me explain something right here. During the Old Testament time, at least in these verses, when the Holy Spirit filled these people, they prophesied as evidence that they were filled with the power of God. Today, that is not the case, okay? As I just explained, each of us is permanently sealed with the Holy Spirit. You do not have to prophesy as evidence that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. No, that is not what this is teaching. Again, this was only the case because in the Old Testament time, it was not a permanent feeling. But today, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, one evidence of a spirit-filled life is, of course, you can prophesy, you can speak in tongues, you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But most importantly, you would be able to witness for Christ and you would be able to live a godly life to glorify God. You would be able to exude or manifest the fruits of the Spirit as listed in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, which are love, peace, faithfulness, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, self-control, etc. So, um, no, you do not have to prophesy as evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit as New Testament believers, you receive it by faith. And then, um, as I said uh, earlier, operating in the gifts of the Spirit is just one evidence that your Spirit filled. And again, every Christian is sealed with the Holy Spirit. But there is an extra feeling. There is an extra or there is a, a separate experience where a Christian who is sealed by the Holy Spirit is also filled by the Holy Spirit. And that feeling brings the necessary power 
and you become endued with the power to live the Christian life. Those are two separate experiences, okay? Because when a Christian is sealed by the Holy Spirit, that Christian, by their actions of disobeying God, can quench the power of the Holy Spirit, and as such, their lives would be carnal. They would not be able to live the glorified life that Jesus want them to live. I know this is very in-depth, but if you want more teaching on this, I also have a teaching called The Gifts of the Spirit, where I explain all of this in-depth and also my teaching uh, titled Holy Spirit-Led Healthy Emotions. I teach for about an hour and 15 or 20 minutes about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I went on to talk about uh, the separate experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit or baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I also explained the difference from that and just uh, being sealed by the Holy Spirit as a Christian. Those are two separate experiences, being sealed by the Holy Spirit, again, just to review, every Christian is sealed by the Holy Spirit, but not every Christian has that active feeling by the Holy Spirit because they reject it based on their lifestyle and their choices, and they quench the power of the Holy Spirit. So in essence, the Holy Spirit does not have an active ministry in their life, and they are not able to operate in that power of the Holy Spirit. So again, if you want more teaching on that, contact the website or call us to get those teachings. Okay, so I come to verse 28. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Uh, verse uh, 29, but Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Here's what's happening here. Remember those two elders who stayed in the camp who also experienced that impartation of the Holy Spirit and they started to prophesy? Well, that is what Joshua is talking about. Joshua saw that and he wasn't very happy. So he came and told Moses, he said, Moses, tell them to stop prophesying. And then Moses said, are you jealous because they are prophesying? So we see how Moses here said that he wished that all of the Lord's people could actually act as prophets. In essence, Moses was saying that he wished all of the Lord's people, at least back then, were filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, which was something that happened in the book of Acts, like I mentioned earlier, after Jesus' death and resurrection in Acts chapter 2, where um, uh, the Holy Spirit was dispensed at the day of Pentecost. So uh, Moses was just saying, boy, we as Old Testament believers, we don't have this. I wish all of you can can experience this, but today, as New Testament believers, we have that uh, blessed presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this also brings something else in mind. In the Gospel, Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through uh, 41, records how 
Jesus' disciples came to Jesus to complain about how they saw people casting out demons in the name of Jesus. But Jesus rebuked them and said, let them be. That, you know what, if they are casting demons in my name, they cannot be against us. So we see a similar thing happening here where Moses is saying that let, let the people prophesy. If they are doing it for the Lord, it's all good. So really, that is um, a little comparison there that uh, different people are endued with different gifts. And as long as we are all working for the Lord, it's all good. All right, it is all good. Okay, we come down to verse 31. Uh, now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp as far as a day's walk in any direction. Wow, this was an abundant provision. Verse 32. All that day and night and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than 10 hammers. Essentially, what this, these verses are teaching us is that God supernaturally provided excess food to them. People had enough that they could eat. But then come to verse 33. But while the meat was still between their teeth, and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. Verse 34. Therefore, the place was named Kibra, Hatava, because there they buried the people who had craved other food. Powerful. What's happening here is that God had their complaints, okay? God said, okay, I will give you what you want. So God provided them <laughs> with what they had asked for. But then, as we are told in verse 33, when they were eating the meat that God had given them, he struck them dead. Okay, to teach a lesson. Let me talk about this. This was a final judgment. This is not to say that God was teasing them or God is double-minded. No, God is consistent and faithful. The issue here is that, put it in perspective, the Israelites expressed gross ingratitude towards God. I already explained that. They were craving foods from Egypt. Nothing wrong with craving foods, but it became, it consumed them. It became a lust. They started dwelling and focusing on the cravings of meats, reminiscing about their lives in Egypt, and they totally forgot how God had delivered them from the bondage of Pharaoh. They totally forgot how God had rescued them, parted the Red Sea. They forgot how God had brought them thus far. They forgot that they were still alive by the mercy and the grace of God. And they would not acknowledge or give thanks to the Lord for what he had done. And their craving for meat became a lust that it consumed them. 
So their, their desire became a lustful emotion. And God was going to teach them a lesson. So God gave them what they wanted. And in the middle of that, of that they died. Likewise, we have to be careful. And the Bible teaches us throughout that lust, okay, is never, never of God. We should not allow physical things to consume our thoughts, consume our, our, our language to the extent that we forget to acknowledge the blessings of God in our lives. That is what we, we see here. So God killed them. And we have to be careful what we ask because we may get it. And this is exactly what we are learning here. They wanted meat. Oh, they wanted meat. They wanted to go back and lick their vomit. God had delivered them, but they wanted to go back, just like I said before. There are Christians today that the Lord has delivered them from all sorts of problems. But when they face a new challenge, what do they do? Instead of turning to the Lord, they start to think about their previous lifestyles, or they start to look at unbelievers, and they would make comments such as, Look at how the unbelievers are, are enjoying, yet they don't even know the Lord. Here I am. I know the Lord and I am suffering. That is bad. That is exactly what the Israelites were doing. And the moment you start to think that way, the moment you allow your lust to consume you, it will truly consume every aspect of your life. And you would want to fulfill that and it would blind you from the presence of God in your life, lust will blind you from God's miracles and provisions in your life. And eventually God would say, okay, if that's what you want, I will give it to you. Okay, in today, God is not going to strike you dead, but God would say, okay, you have your way and your way is never good. Your way is never right. God knows what's best. And the moment God gives you your way, guess who is going to come in? Your enemy, Satan, to devour you. So the principle is still the same. We have to guard against lust. We have to guard against complaining. We have to guard against lack of thankfulness towards the Lord. Okay? So that is the major lessons that we have learned from chapter E. 11. Okay, so that last verse there from Kibroth Hatava, the people travel to Hezeroth and stayed there. So that brings us to the end of Numbers chapter 11. Before we go, I want to remind you to visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D R R U T H T A N Y I.org. And check out our event page and sign up for one or all of our upcoming events. While there, remember to subscribe to Dr. Ruth's monthly Bible teaching e-newsletters so you can start receiving more life-changing teachings. If Dr. Ruth's teachings are a blessing to you, we would like to know that. So would you please send us an email and let us know? Here is our email address, info at drruth.com. 
That's I-N-F-O at D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. You can also find Dr. Ruth's simple and practical teachings on YouTube. Just search for Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch Dr. Ruth's Bible teaching videos at your convenience 24-7. Remember to click the notification bell on YouTube after you subscribe. That way you will receive alerts when we upload more Bible teachings. I am Chris Horam, and may God's abundant blessings chase you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.